All right, we're on. Were you following the news of uh, the Israeli election? I I saw I couldn't see, there was nothing on the news on TV, but I saw it on in the paper this morning that it looks like Netanyahu won. Yeah, he won. What do you uh, What do you make of Netanyahu? I like him. I think he's good. I think he's. Uh, I mean, he's very pro-Israel, very strong defense. He's, he's the right guy for the job. Right. I guess that's kind of like what I was hoping we could talk about today is like, what exactly does it mean to you to be pro-Israel? Uh, what does it mean to me to be pro-Israel, to support Israel? Yeah. I mean, Israel's right, got, but Israel's like, I mean, surrounded by um, people who want to see uh, them pushed into the sea, and they, don't want, they want them to be gone, and uh, they keep attacking them, so... Um, yeah, so I think Israel needs to maintain um, a strong defense. Right. But like uh, one of the things that Netanyahu, I think, over the years has realized uh, turns out his base of right-wing voters is these last-minute campaign promises. And this year he said a few days before the election that he would annex the West Bank. Right, I saw that. So I, I guess... He, the strategy there is he, he, he's trying to get these, especially members of other political parties that are also right wing. He's sort of urging them to vote for him over giving their vote to other political parties. But just in general, what do you make of that idea that uh, Israel would annex the West Bank? I don't know exactly what that means. So I don't have a strong. Uh, understanding of that yeah i mean i guess it's like similar to um the the annexation of the golan which is like i guess israel has sort of um treated as an israeli territory since the 80s anyway but he he feels more comfortable taking these more extreme measures knowing that donald trump has his back in in the united states anyway i guess it's always been sort of a mainstream political idea that uh, we should support a two-state solution to the to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, right? Yeah. But if you if if you, if Israel annexes the West Bank and, and essentially just declares itself the ruler of this land that's disputed where a bunch of Palestinians live, then in the long run it hinders any sort of peace effort that might come to pass. You could say that, but you know the peace efforts have gone nowhere for the last fifty years, so I don't see that as a big, uh, terrible thing. Peace, peace isn't going to happen as long as as long as you got people on the other side who um, want to see Israel's demise, and they're not willing to negotiate or talk. Um, you, why should Israel? Why should it be a one-sided? You know, deal. Israel gave up that land. Israel had that land, and they gave it up for peace. And they never got the Israel peace. never. Israel never legally had that land, right? It's never been designated as a part of their territory. Well, what are we talking about? The Golan Heights. Well, the, both the Golan Heights and the West Bank, right? Like when Israel was created, uh, it was it was drawn inside of borders that would have allowed for the creation of an Arab state and then whatever Jerusalem and 
uh, and Bethlehem were supposed to be a part of like a UN administered territory. But the the idea during the creation of the state of Israel was that there would that the borders were drawn in such a way that would allow for the creation of a, of a state for Arabs. Well, since the creation of the state of Israel, Israel was attacked by a whole host of countries uh, multiple times, and Israel um, won those wars, and the spoils of war are what they took. So the Golan Heights and the, and the West Bank are just that. I guess the thing is, is like, you can say that you don't really care about what the UN says or what international law says, but the only justification for the for the state of Israel existing is that it was the result of like a UN charter, right? So if international law also doesn't recognize annexation in any as the result of any war, whether it be defensive or aggressive, uh, then the same sort of international uh, mandate for the existence of the state of Israel also states that you can't just take land in a war. Well, if that's the philosophy you're going to go by, there wouldn't be a United States. I think most of the territory that you're talking about was taken before the establishment of the United Nations Charter. Well, so what? Not that it makes it. Not that it makes it okay. So what? Right? Like, not that it makes it okay that we took land from the Native Americans, and we took land from Mexico, and we took land from all these places, essentially, like, at the at the barrel of a gun. It doesn't make it okay, but I guess Israel Israel's existence depends on some sort of international consensus or a balance of, of opinions from other places in I the don't world, think, right? I don't I think Israel takes that position. I think Israel is at the, uh, of the mindset, especially with Netanyahu, the rest of the world can go scratch their butts. I mean, the um, UN is so anti-UN is so anti-Israel um, and pro-Arab. It's it's disgusting. Well, the U, the UN created Israel. They've sanctioned. Well, you're talking about apples and oranges again. The UN created Israel in 1948, 47. It's a different world now. Right. I'm not saying it isn't, but does it matter to you whether or not Israel is a democracy? Israel likes to brag that it's the only democracy you in know, the Middle East, right? You're, 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 you want to talk, you want to parse words, you want to you have a linguistics discussion, or you want to have a discussion about the real world? Israel exists because Israel's strong and got a strong defense and got the U.S. behind it. And that's the only reason. After 1948, when they were attacked, if Israel lost and the Arabs took over, what was the UN going to do? I mean, probably nothing. But. Okay, thank you. And so that's, that's your international law. They, they have no teeth. They have nothing. The UN is a, a useless organization, which, you know, most of but its money But they created comes from the state us. of Israel. I guess it's like the justification for the creation of the state of Israel, by and large, by the majority of, you know, people who matter, it's because it was. Who, who determines uh, what people matter? By the United who determines people who matter? The people who are able to ensure the continued existence of the state of Israel. That's the Israelis and the Americans. Right, okay. Well, that's where I that ends. That's where that ends, right? Let's that's talk where, about the Americans. That's, that's where that ends. The only people who can, who can support the, the future of Israel are Israelis and the U.S. Great, okay. Well, this is a nice segue into what I really was hoping we would talk more about, which okay. is the way that Israel is increasingly becoming a partisan 
political issue in the United States. Donald Trump tweeted after the election a picture of people waving Trump flags at the Netanyahu victory speech. So people were waving uh, Trump flags at the Netanyahu victory speech. Okay. A lot of analysts who study Israeli politics are saying that the boost that Trump gave him by recognizing the annexation of the Golan Heights and moving the um, embassy, the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem was a big political boost for Netanyahu. I don't doubt that at all. That That's true. Right. So here's my point. It's that those political alliances between a hard right Israeli president and a hard right U.S. president. We don't agree right there, right there, right there. I don't picture, I don't see that? Trump as a hard right U.S. president. Would you agree that he's a polarizing figure in American politics? I would agree that anybody on the Republican ticket um, would have been a very polarizing figure to the Democrats, yes. Right, but we've talked about this before. Like, of all of the uh, candidates who ran for president in 2016, Donald Trump was by far the most poli- the most divisive. He used the most divisive rhetoric. He said things that were pretty unprecedented in terms of their tone and and uh and and how broadly he offended people i mean i i don't think this is like a very controversial opinion here no it's not i i agree with you trump is trump can be offensive trump trump can be very opinionated yeah we've talked about how um a lot of the political climate these days is people is just the trump effect causes a more extreme polarization of of all political issues, right? So whether it be because he's tweeting about uh, football players protesting in the NFL, or if he's protest, if he's tweeting about um, you know uh, socialism, or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, or he's tweeting about or 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 trying to push a Supreme Court justice through the confirmation hearings, whatever it is, you're gonna have everyone who opposes him taking a con- contrarian stance to whatever uh, position he advocates. That seems to be the case. So I, I, I think that it's noteworthy that in the last, since he's been president, you've seen an increasing polarization of Israel and American support for Israel. Well, I haven't seen an increasing polarization of Israel. Um, but a polarization of American support, yeah, there's a lot of Jews in this country who um, are not supporting Israel like I think they should. And there's a lot of Democrats who are coming out with outrageous, I think, anti-Semitic remarks. Like what, what, do, you, what do you think is an anti-Semitic remark? That's oh, Democrats the whole thing, the whole thing about uh, um, that, that comment that, uh, that Congress— Lydia Omar? Yeah, yeah. This was the tweet that, that drew most of the controversy, right? Glenn Greenwald, you know who that is? He, right, he has a magazine called The Intercept. Right, we had this conversation. He's right for The Guardian. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, GOP, he tweeted, GOP leader Kevin McCarthy threatens punishment for Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib over their criticism of Israel. It's stunning how much time U.S. political leaders spend defending a foreign nation even if it means attacking free rights of Americans. And then she retweeted him and said, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And then someone said, what are you talking about? And she said, APAC. That's an anti-Semitic remark. 
there is an anti-Semitic trope that Jews control the world's finances or manipulate uh, the world's finances or something like that. We've seen a lot of that rhetoric on the right when it comes to, let's say, attacking George Soros or attacking uh, globalists, which is another way that Jews are often referred to, the globalists manipulating the world's economy. A lot of that has appeared in the alt-right and has surfaced in, the, in mainstream politics thanks to the Trump administration. No one on the right's taken issue with it. I, when, don't, I, I don't agree with you, but okay. But, you know, go ahead. When you a, a black you Somali a you have a on refugee who's a congresswoman tweets something along those lines, I, I kind of understand that it's tone deaf if you accept that Jews and money are often used as an anti-Semitic trope. But she's, she's making a point about APEC uh, being a very powerful lobby that controls a lot of money in American politics. If that had been a happens to be a Jewish what? organization, so she's she's again referring to Jews. Now you can say, well, she doesn't understand the the dynamics of that, but her staff said, well, we're gonna, you know, she's gonna get more education about this, and I think Nancy Pelosi talked about that, and they they and said, so did Chuck Schumer. Chuck and, Schumer and, went yeah, to APAC, okay. and they said and they talked to in her. the same sentence. When someone looks at a neo-Nazi rally and see some very fine people among its company, we must call it out. When there's someone suggests that money drives support for Israel, we must call it out. Israel is a Jewish state, but it doesn't represent all Jews. And criticizing Israel isn't a criticism of Jews. I criticizing agree. APEC is not a criticism of Jews. Uh, APEC is a, lobby, a lobbying organization in the United States. Israel is a foreign country that is designated as a Jewish state, but opposing the Israeli government, right, and opposing APEC has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Unless you use anti-Semitic terms and phrases to do that. You and the right are constantly dismissing any uh, dog whistles or tropes being used or whether or not Donald Trump is racist because of the things he says about Mexicans or the whether or not he's racist because he attacks black athletes. All of those attack all of those criticisms of potential racism you guys dismiss and say it's purely coincidental. So I, I, I'm not saying that what she said was the smartest thing, nor was it the most politically correct joke to make. Do you think she meant it as a joke? All about the Benjamins is a is a hip hop lyric. And she's saying uh, people in Congress give their unwavering support to Israel. It's all about the Benjamins. Some and then someone asked her, "What do you mean by that?" And she said, "APEC. APEC is an incredibly powerful political lobby in the in the United States. I don't think that that's really like disputable. It's not disputable. So, and they fund millions and millions of dollars to congressional campaigns." Going back to what we were saying a little while ago, Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu are fo have formed this alliance. And APEC, which used to just kind of get a blanket, uh, a blanket approval from both sides of the aisle, now all of a sudden has every Democratic uh, primary candidate, with the exception of a couple, protesting their conference and not going to speak at it. And people in Congress taking stronger stances to criticize Israel. It has, I think it's a reflection of both a rightward uh, push in Israel, but also a rejection of 
Donald Trump and right-wing politics in the United States. As uh, Donald Trump and Netanyahu more publicly celebrate their alliance and support each other, you're going to have political opposition to Donald Trump starting to take issue with Israel. Okay, we or at least we disagree on or at the least basic, the Lahoud party. We disagree on the basic premise of it. You see, I think the Democratic Party is going so far left, um, and that's why you have this divide, and that's what's going on. It, it, it's coincidental that it happens at the same time that Donald Trump is president. But the point, my point being, you're saying, well, because Donald Trump and Netanyahu. Um, have a great alliance and they, and they and they get along and they're supportive of each other. Therefore, we're getting a backlash in terms of um, anti-Israeli, you know, actions in the in the Congress. No, no, it's because your, your Congress, your your, your demo, Democratic Congress, uh, has moved so far to the left that they're getting more and more outrageous about everything they do. But listen, Dad, you're talking about what are the what are the um landmarks of the Donald Trump, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, administration's cooperation. The moving of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Which every president... Highly, for every president, highly controversial. Every president for the last 50 years has promised to do that. So how controversial is it? Nobody well, did it. Well, why didn't they except do it? Because nobody did it but Trump. Why? I, I don't know why, but they all promised to do it. It's because it's incredibly controversial, Dad. It's because no one because doing so essentially s- cements shut another door in a possible peace talk. And there's a lot of people in the world, you might not be one of them, who thinks that event we have to do everything we can to one day establish peace there. Whether we like it or not, whether you like it or not, Israel is dependent at least on the United States in order to continue to exist. Right. Okay. And for a modern country, especially a developed country that counts on participation in the global community, it's it's not tenable to exist as a pariah state. Right. Israel's not a pariah state. At this point, it's not entirely a pariah state. But if what ends up happening is what do you call Iran? What do you call Iran? Iran is a pariah state, but okay. I, I, that's not like a, a ju- like a moral judgment I'm placing on Iran. I'm just saying that speaks to their participation in the global community. Okay, and who controls right? Hamas? It doesn't matter who controls Hamas. I'm making a point about Iran United States relationship Iran with Hamas. Israel. There's two and a half million Palestinians that live in the West Bank, right? If Netanyahu annexes the West Bank, what does it mean for those people? It just means that either eventually you have to recognize the fact that all of these people that live in this territory that's governed by Israel should get self-determination and equal representation, or that Israel is just going to exist as an apartheid state. Because eventually you have to recognize the fact that if there is no creation of a Palestinian state, you have living among Israelis a bunch of Arabs and Muslims and probably some Christians that are not citizens, that are not full citizens, that can't vote. Who is responsible for forming uh, an Arab-Palestinian state? Who who should be doing that? 
the United Nations, Israel, the Palestinians, the Arabs, the Palestinians regardless of aren't whose fault it is. The Palestinians hang on, hang on, aren't hang on. interested regardless, in this. Regardless of whose fault it is, okay? Regardless of whose fault it is, is it tenable for Israel to just annex the Palestinian territories and then exist as a country where at a certain point, more than half of the population doesn't have a right to vote, doesn't have a right to free movement, doesn't have equal representation in the Knesset. Eventually, if you care about Israel existing as a Jewish state, then you're going to have to concede that it's not a democracy. And if you care about Israel being a democracy, eventually you're going to have to concede that it's not going to be a Jewish state anymore. Can they open a synagogue the t- in, in uh, Jordan or Egypt or Iran or Iraq? Can they open a synagogue? This has Jews? nothing to do with what we're talking about. Well, of course it does. You're talking about free. Israel will be a pariah. They're surrounded by pariahs. So you're okay with that, that Israel would just be another pariah? Because this is my point. As Israel goes further and further to the right and further seals the, 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 the door that would lead to a possible two-state solution, they're further isolating themselves from the majority of people in the United States, and they rely on the United States for their, their support in the military. I don't see Imagine Israel, if you have— I don't see Israel going further and further to the right. Netanyahu just said that he was going to annex the West Bank. That's never happened in the history of Israel. Has it happened yet? He said he was going to do it. And Trump said he was going to build a wall. A lot of politicians say a lot of things. So you do you think it's a good idea to annex uh, the West Bank or not? I, I don't know, but um, I don't know. But, do, okay, do you see my point, though? Do you see the, the thesis statement that I'm trying to make? No. That in another... 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, generation, two generations, however long you want to go. Unless there's a Palestinian state that gets created, it does fall on them to deal with those people. Those are subjects of Israel. They're not citizens necessarily, but they're subjects of Israel. They're living under Israeli rule. Well, they're not living under Israeli rule right now. They're living under Hamas rule, and they're miserable. Not in the West Bank, Dad. What? The West Bank is not controlled by Hamas. The West Bank is controlled by Fatah and the Palestinian Authority. Okay, whatever. It's not controlled by Israel. But it's absolutely controlled by Israel. They, they, those people can't move freely around. There's they can move anywhere they everywhere. want. They just can't come into Israel. They can't go wherever they want. They close. They, they have checkpoints everywhere. And they why do you suppose can, that is? What, where did, what brought that about? Israel's, that regardless racist. Of, Israel's racist and just trying to keep them in a box? Well, you believe it's, it's that? Called collect- Do you it's believe? Called collective- Do you believe that? It's called collective punishment, right? They're saying there's a, there's some of you that behave in a way that, that that's violent that we don't like, so no, we have no choice of, but to of treat self- you all as suspect. It's a question of self preservation, my friend. It's self preservation. If you have people in your neighborhood who keep breaking into your house, you're going to start doing something to make your house safer and stronger and more protected. That's what Israel's trying to do. Sure, but in the long run, if you don't behave by the rules that the global community sees as the way that business should be conducted, the eventually you will become a pariah. The glo- okay. And in I think that global, that's what's happening little by in little. In terms of the global community, screw them. They despise Israel. They're anti-Semitic to begin with. So what, are, what do you say... As Trump drives the wedge in the United States between the left and the right, and 
Israel is increasingly seen as a right-wing Donald Trump-backed regime, you start to see more criticism of Israel. Eventually, you're going to have a progressive president who's going to say, you know what, we're going to cut funding, we're going to cut the military uh, spending on Israel. We're going to we're not going to veto these um, uh, sanctions in the United Nations. We're not going to veto the measures in the Security they Council. Didn't do it. They didn't do it under Obama, did they? They denounced Israel and we abstained. Isn't that great? Forget about who's, who's going to win, uh, who's right and who's wrong. Like In this Machiavellian idea that somehow like Israel needs to just protect itself and fuck the rest of the world... Eventually, where is that going to get you? It's going to get you to isolation, and it's going to get you to the point where I don't think I don't agree. Gonna I don't have, agree with that. I don't agree with that one iota. Why not? One day you're going to have a Nelson Mandela of the Israel Palestinians, Israel, and Israel will not be a Jewish state anymore. Israel is not a pariah. Israel will never be a pariah. Israel is well uh, respected all around the world, except in Arab. You know states. that that's, you know that that's not true. I don't know that that's not true. People are constantly boycotting uh, going to play concerts in Israel. People are boycotting spending any money on anything that comes out of Israel or is produced there. Uh, you know what, Russ? If that happens, I mean, I, I, I think, <laughs> I, I just, this whole thing is absurd. This conversation, Why? this conversation's absurd. I mean, Why because, do you think it's absurd? Because, because you're seeing, you're seeing one path in the future and, and I don't. So, so what do you think is a more what do you think is more likely? What's the more likely outcome than what I'm saying? Things will stay as they are. I guess the, just the last thing I want to ask you. So you're not concerned by the waning support for Israel right or wrong in the United States. I don't know that there's a waning support. I know that Congress I know that the Democratic Party has gone so far left that there's waning support for the US. In Congress, there's waning support for um, capitalism. They they're all socialists. They want to. They want. I mean, Bernie's the most logical one, one of all of them. They're crazy. So does that bother me? No, because they they're they're a meaningless minority. And the further the further left and away from um, the middle of the road they go, the more they're turning people off, and the more people are going to vote for the Republicans. You don't think that. It's a reflection of how far Israel has gone. No. And how far no, Donald Trump has gone no. in supporting Israel? No. Maybe that maybe that would explain the attacks on Israel. But that's a, that's coming from a few from a handful of lunatics who the Democratic Party you know is going to have to deal with now. You better hope Joe Biden gets the nomination or you guys are going so far down it's scary. So look, Peter Beinart tweeted today, and I thought it was a pretty, pretty smart tweet. What the financial crisis did to the millennials' view of capitalism, Benjamin Netanyahu is doing to American Jewish millennials' views of Zionism. I couldn't agree more. Okay. Well, I'm happy for him and you. So this guy, Dennis Ross, right? What are you going to do, keep reading tweets now? Yeah, I don't know what else you know, to do. <laughs> Last week you got you got off track when you started reading that guy's thing. It just it, it dragged. You, you, I don't know. I, thought, I read I a guy's article for like a half an hour. It was like boring. I thought that that's. I thought people liked that part. Well, maybe they did. I I don't know. I I had it hard. I I found that hard to listen to.
Yeah, that's because it was you because it didn't sound like you were making cogent points, you know. No, you. If I remember correctly, you told me you let me win. You let me win arguments because that's what people want to hear. That's something like that. Yeah. People going by. I see friends shaking hands. 